I'm Tommy Salmons. This is Year Zero. Today I got a special guest with me, former Border Patrol agent and uh, also a veteran in the armed services, Josh Childress. What's going on, Bubba? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Sitting here with my dog, watching him lick the the <laughs> styrofoam plate after I finished eating. <laughs> that was uh, Great way. I, I'm a dog guy myself, but my wife's uh, my wife's adopted some cats, so uh, we have cats now instead of dogs. But. Oh, okay. We're getting some reception <laughs> problems now. We had no reception problems until I hit record. Here we go. That's ridiculous. All right, we can start. We can no, I got you over. now. I got okay. you now. Oh, sure, we can okay. make this in. I, I have Perfect. a sloppy podcast. Nobody listens to this because it's high quality. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, those of us who love you do. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody listens to me because I'm self-deprecating. Yeah, like, hey, this guy makes me feel good about myself. I'm, it's good, fun. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And gosh, dog it, people like me. People like me. That's right. That's the important part. <laughs> All right. So I told you before we got started, I was like, I wanted to start off with kind of like, um, a little bit personal, not too personal, but a little personal. Mm-hmm. And the first exposure most people had to you is when you popped up on the unre- unregistered podcast. What was that two years ago now? Yeah, about two years. Yeah. And um, since then, you've been on uh, Free Man Beyond the Wall a couple of times. Yeah. And um, one thing you haven't really talked about since unregistered is your personal journey since leaving Border Patrol. So I, I just wanted to catch up on what, how your mindset has shifted, like maybe um, how you've kind of evolved in your philosophies and what how life's treating you and how, how you've gotten along and adjusted to life uh, in the civilian world. Oh, wow. Um, well, as, as far as like my journey, my like philosophical journey, um, I, I guess to, to, to boil it down to a, one more word is like radical. Uh, it, I guess once I got the ball rolling and, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of distilled my whole idea of turning my back on immigration policy down to, uh, you know, and I, and I roll this in with uh, how I feel about our, our wars and our military. Now I, I, I have distilled it down to essentially Hey, I um, I see people as people rather than as as nations or or groups or races or any like. I just try to look at people as people, right. and every group of people, you know, has their flaws and it has their 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 positives, and every individual has flaws and positives. So, you know, that's really what I've tried to to look at the world as but um yeah i mean pretty much since i've kind of made that decision and and left the border patrol left military life um i've just kind of taken that route um i've I've learned more about immigration law since i left the border patrol than i ever learned in the border patrol um and learned how much of a flawed system that is Mm -hmm. um but I, yeah, I've just become, I, you know, I, I've, I've started flirting with, you know, market anarchist ideas, um, you know, eschewing the, throwing out the old like 
capitalist ideas and and uh, it's it's been great like it's been really I don't know if fun's the right word, but like I've just really enjoyed exploring all these new ideas of, of uh, you know how, what the possibilities of of a better world could be. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing that that drives me insane is is this idea of American exceptionalism, where everybody says you know land of the free, home of the brave, we're great, we're great, we're great, but yet. It seems like all of our policies and all of all of uh, our culture is geared towards this like closed restrictionist thinking. It's um, and, I, what the way I usually say it is: we're we're so brave, we have all our policies are based on fear. Right. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> uh, that's perfect. Yeah. So. Um, I, I guess um, I'm still I, I, I still am I don't know if the NAP is the right way to express it, but I'm I'm on one hand a gun gun owner and a gun enthusiast. So I love I love weapons and I love the idea of being able to defend yourself in any situation. But at the same time, I'm also an advocate of using violence as an absolute, absolute, absolute last resort. Right. Like, I will 100% look like a bitch at a bar or, you know, I will, I'll eat pro, like, whatever. I don't care. I will avoid violence at any cost. But... I like having that knowledge and that 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 confidence that in the event that that doesn't work, I'll be able to handle the situation. Right. So um, that's kind of where I you know maybe I, I part ways with you know the 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 big L libertarians like NAP is not my end all be all, but like I do try to avoid violence at any cost. Well, the way um, I've always looked at the non-aggression principle is that you're not initiating violence you know that you're not going out there looking for trouble you're not you know initiating the act of force against another person but if somebody initiates force against you i mean you got to do what you got to do right and i guess i guess where i maybe where i detract from that is like i'll let somebody call me all kinds of names offend me do whatever i that's fine Mm -hmm. but um, and maybe this is just kind of like, you know, leftovers from me being a soldier and, and, and whatnot, but like, I'll jump to somebody else's defense way faster than I'll jump to my own. Yeah. So like, I'll start some shit over like somebody else getting called names where I'll, you know, maybe let myself get called those names. Cause I don't care. Yeah. Um, but any, anyways, that's, that's kind of a rabbit hole. Um, that, that we could go down, but um, beside the point. <laughs> beside the point, yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm just I've I've really been, um, I guess I've felt free in ways that I didn't realize possible when, you know, as as a federal agent, I felt like I had to conform to these kind of strict ways of thinking. You know, on one hand, because 
that's how you go along to get along. But at the other, on the other way is like, you know, you get a background check every five years. So if you don't, like, if you try to like, to, you know, like split the line and, and be a radical and be part of the team, like you could probably find yourself in some trouble. Right. Right. Um, yeah. What, who, well, who was that? Uh, Danny Sherenson, who was writing all the anti-war articles while right. he was still in the military. Right. Yeah. You would have to. You would have to have the rank to pull that off. The rank and the intelligence. And like, I don't think I'm dumb, but I may be a little bit sloppy. So I'm not. Like, I'm not <laughs> going to take chances trying to skirt that line right. personally. Like, yeah. Danny Sherenson seems like a smart guy. He seemed to pull it off pretty well. I don't want to play that game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he did have issues. I mean, he spoke about those issues. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, having the rank in the, in, in that, um, the, the record behind you that showed you to be, you know, a reliably good soldier. Right. And, you know, being able to speak your opinions, that's, that's two different things. I know if you're, you know, if you're a E4 and out, you're out there, talking all kinds of shit that's not going to go over real well for you right right and i mean leaving the you know leaving the border patrol i was well liked like everybody you know kind of looked at me as this hard charger go get them kind of guy and it wasn't till like that last year where i started to pull back and 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 question everything that that things changed but everybody still had this this kind of picture of me that I, you know, that I've established throughout my, the rest of my career. So right. um, when I did step away, they were just, you know, for one, they were confused, but also they didn't really give me that much shit. Cause they're just like, well, you must know what you're doing. <laughs> cause, <laughs> cause you know, we've, you know, we've known you up to this point, so whatever, go, go for it. Yeah. Um, so to finish the rest of your question, since the border patrol, um, I, I took a job as a um, maintenance technician for an apartment complex, mm-hmm. um, which you know I, I had done some some remodeling and construction work before the border patrol, so I was able to 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 rely on that. I worked there for about a year. Um, didn't really like my boss, so uh, I quit that. And since then, I've been. Um, more or less independent contracting, just kind of, um, I've got some friends in the industry that are able to, to kind of hand me work here and there. Um, and I've, I've been existing, you know, thusly so far, like the, the whole, the, the coronavirus thing didn't really do anything to me other than, uh, I don't get my government funded daycare anymore. Yeah. So, you know, like. Over the last, you know, I guess since since last school year, and we just started our school year back again, um, playing playing teacher, on top of trying to juggle work as well. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, that's about it. That brings us to the present day. All right. Well, we were talking about um, we were talking a little bit about interrogation room tactics but but what you had brought up a story of uh when you had sat in on on an interrogation and and it had to do with um two two brothers one of them was acting like the other's dad 
and that got me to thinking and, and triggered something that it I hear a lot and it's to me it's kind of like all right like how true is this I, I don't know how true this is and I'm sure there's some truth to it but I don't know if it's near as prominent as people try to make it out to be and that is the the trafficking of, of children what what did you see as far as that arena goes when you were down there so man that's a tough one because I, I i i was curious about that the whole time because so throughout the you know the last couple of years was was the the big influx of unaccompanied children and you know parents with children coming across the border um and the difference there for anybody listening that, that doesn't know is, you know, most people, when they enter the country, they try to sneak in, they sneak and they, you know, they have these methods or whatever. They, they watch us and they try to get past us. Now, the, you know, what, what we were faced with was people that would just get over the fence because my, my whole area was fenced off. Right. They'd get over and just wait for us to come pick them up. And then once we picked them up, We'd get them to the station and start processing them. And, you know, most of them would claim, you know, try to claim asylum or, you know, some some version of, I, I you know, I don't want to go back home. Let me plead my case here. Right. Um, but there was, yeah, there was tons of, I mean, anywhere from, there was one instance where, uh, you know, you know, we had camera systems and everything and we watched a freaking, you know, one of these smuggler guys drop like under one years old child over the fence. And this is like, you know, at this this spot, it was probably like an eight or 10 foot drop. Just mm -hmm. dropped a fucking kid Man. over the fence. You know, luckily it's pretty soft sand down there, but it's like, Jesus Christ, what are we dealing with here? Mm -hmm. um, and also like, you know, you're, you're a parent, I'm a parent what i on one hand like you can only take you can either take it two ways either these parents are so irresponsible that they're letting their kids just go off without them across several countries to make it to the u.s or they're so desperate that's what i was thinking yeah that they're letting the and i'm like i i'm not myopic enough about humanity to think that there are parents that irresponsible on that big, you know, in those big of numbers that we're seeing them come. Yeah. So the situation has to be desperate enough for them to let them go and, and, you know, pay the money to, to whatever the smuggler is to say, you know, get this kid to, to the U S um, that being said, we don't know what happens between here and there. So how many of those kids have disappeared along the way? Um, so we, you know, that stuff, that's, that's conjecture. I can't really speak to that. Um, what I can speak to is the weird systems that we had set up in place to deal with these kids. Um, you know, we would, send them to these detention facilities, which were not technically jails. They were, you know, they're, they're federally funded, but they're not actual, you know, like they're not run by corrections officers or anything. They're just kind of like day camps. And kids would go missing from there all the time, like runaways, essentially. 
Um, and they'd ask us, well, what do we do? We're like, I don't know. We handed them over to you for you to oversee them. Like we kind of, you know, once we don't have custody of them anymore. So whatever happens once we hand them off to you, that's you. Um, so there was, that was one of the. So the, who's, who's running this? Is this the department of Homeland security or child protective well, services or. So it's, I mean, I think it's funded by, um, HHS. Okay. And, but it, I mean, they're hiring private contractors. So the, the money's coming from the federal government. And I think it was through HHS, but they're hiring private contractors to run these facilities. So you don't, it's not even like, you know, and, and there are ice run facilities where ice employees actually do the overseeing and, 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 and everything. These, a lot of these that we were, you know, at least here in Arizona, these were like federally funded, but completely civilian. Like there's no law enforcement nexus other than the funding. Um, but like, as far as border patrol goes, once we hand custody from, from us to them, we don't know what happens. Right. Um, so one of the, one of the weird things was um, I, re I remember one, one specific example for a while, we were getting a lot of Romanian gypsies and there was one group where they came through and I guess they just like hadn't done their homework or hadn't really been paying attention, but several of the people in the group had the exact same phone number, exact same address. So when, when we picked them up, Basically, we ask them for all their biological information, their their name, date of birth, all that stuff. Yeah. And then, um, as you know, for processing their case, we'd have to get a phone number and an address where we're going to send the you know the the paperwork for the their their court case. So you know, I remember this one group, and this wasn't unique, but it was one that stuck out in my head because it like so many of them fell into it. So they all had the same phone number. They all had the same address. Um, but when you ask one, he'd say, oh, my uncle lives there. Oh, my aunt lives there. Oh, my cousin lives there. Oh, my brother lives there. Like nobody had it like, and, but supposedly none of them were related. So nobody got their stories straight on that one. So that was why it stuck out. Most of the time it was just like two or three people. So it wasn't really hard to keep your story straight. This case, there was like, you know, eight or 10 people and they all had a different story. Yeah. Um, so as far as that goes, I never knew what was going on. I don't know if this is like, are these humanitarians who are offering themselves up as like, Oh, we'll let these people stay with us until they figure out what they're going to do. Or are these people part of some, you know, disgusting syndicate that are just funneling and traffic, you know, trafficking in the, in these, which I don't have any like documentation for this or proof per se, mm -hmm. but there, there was with the Romanians, um, supposedly evidence that those kids were being recycled back to Mexico. So basically, so if you, if you show up as an adult, 
we're just going to, unless, unless you meet the criteria of asylum, we're just going to deport you. Right. So they figured out easily that if you bring a kid with you, we can't just deport you. So apparently the, you know, the, uh, the scheme became that at least with the Romanians, that they would bring a kid and their, all their birth certificates were like handwritten. So it wasn't that hard to forge. Right. Um, so you come in with a kid, you get your court date and then you disappear. And so supposedly, you know, this is just kind of like rumor mill. I know you were previous military, you understand rumor mill, mm. everybody talks and nobody knows what's real and what's not. Right. Um, supposedly these kids were getting recycled back to Mexico and we don't fingerprint anybody under 14. So you can't prove that these kids were getting recycled other than they were reusing the birth certificates. Right. So, I mean, that's a long drawn out explanation of it's very possible that there was some human trafficking going on, but I, you know, it was, that was a constant, like, question in my mind. Yeah. A constant head scratcher there. You're trying to figure out like exactly what's happening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Until you, I mean, it, it's a matter of like catching somebody in the act of, right. And you're, you're probably dealing with hundreds of people a week, if not thousands or more. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. so that's, that's just, it's hard to keep it all straight in your, in your own head. And they count on that. They count on you, you being confused by the numbers and the, the amount of faces you see, right. you know, coming through there. My question would be though, like, okay, so why are, why are Romanian gypsies going through Mexico? Is it because the flights from Romania to Mexico are so, so much cheaper? Uh, so most of the Romanians would, I believe, if I remember right, like it's been a couple of years. So, you know, a lot of those memories just kind of go away. But if I remember right, most of them would go, they would fly into, so they would travel from Romania to Italy mm -hmm. and then catch a flight from Italy to Brazil, then work their way up from Brazil. And so the whole, the whole thing is there, you know, <clears throat> these are international criminal organizations. Right. So they're paying a fee to some guy, you know, in Romania. And then that guy in Romania is paying like a portion of that fee to some guy in Brazil. And that guy in Brazil is paying a portion of that fee to some guy in Mexico. So it's this whole thing where, you know, everybody's getting a little bite mm. of, of the, the fee. And right. that was a, you know, that was a common question. We asked everybody, how much did you pay to come? And it was, you know, I think the Chinese pay the most. We would get Chinese people every once in a while. And like, you know, they'd pay twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to right. come. The Romanians was closer to like 10, 10 to 15. And Guatemalans and Hondurans would pay between five and 10. Yeah, because um, I heard just the, I, I, and again, this is rumor mill. This is just something I read somewhere. I don't even remember when or where, but I heard something like the just the the coyotes on the border charge around four thousand. Like to yeah, get it, it it just depends. Um, so I've heard stories from guys that. So I spent my whole time in Arizona. Right. I've heard I've heard stories from guys in. So Rio Grande Valley in Texas is like the busiest in the country. Right. 
And I've heard stories from them where uh, they'd catch guys and the guys would have like a little punch card. Mm-hmm. So the smuggler, when, when the guy paid his fee to a smuggler, he'd get a card. And that card bought him three attempts. So, and because a place like Rio Grande Valley, they're so busy, they don't prosecute every single person. Like, we were slow enough that we prosecuted pretty much everybody. Right. So, Rio Grande Valley, they just, they catch you, they fingerprint you, do a quick case, and send you back. So, so basically, like, if you get caught, you go back, you go find that, that smuggler again, and hand him your card and say, hey, I got caught, can I go back again? So you get like three tries, basically. Um, so yeah, I, it, it just depends on um, if you're from Mexico, where you know where, where you're from in Mexico, and where you're trying to cross. Right. So uh, say like, so I was in Yuma. Our whole area is fenced off. So that gave the smugglers um, the ability to charge a higher premium because it's harder to get over the fence. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it all goes back to the prohibition log- logic of the drug war and alcohol and, and whatever. Did, it's like, did these guys ever think that they could just learn to pole vault? No. So, so that's, that's the whole thing is, well, <laughs> uh, so on top of the fees, there are, I forget, you know, we call them headhunters, but I don't, I don't remember if there's like an actual name for them. Um, but I was working and processing one night and some guys brought in just, you know, a, a pair of guys and they're like, yeah, we, you know, we apped these guys and did a little search of the area and found this. It was basically like an MP5 clone in 22 caliber. So they found this gun and so they questioned them and they're like, oh, no, 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 this is for self-protection. So they questioned them further and they're like, okay, yeah, we're, we're headhunters. So basically, um, there's guys that the cartels pay to walk up and down the border and check people to make sure they paid their dues. Oh, okay. So if they didn't pay their dues, you either, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you get to pay uh, a higher fee or they just take care of you right there. And we've right. found we've found remains all along that area that you know we had, we just assume are from you know some kind of enforcement activity. Right. I I always heard that um, the the cartel activity between New Mexico and Arizona at the border was probably ten times worse than it, it ever was uh, near Texas. Probably yeah. Texas is so big, um, and the Rio Grande's kind of scary for some people to get across. So that's kind of a, a deterrent, you know, in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, because so the Colorado River near near Yuma, where I li- where I was working, most of the year it's like basically a gentle stream. So it's like, you know, American agriculture has has pulled enough of that water off that by the time the the actual Colorado River gets to the, you know, that's the border between. California and Arizona and then down into Mexico. Right. Well, it, you know, before you finish the, the border of Arizona, it dries up into a, a, a dry bed. Mm-hmm. So most of the time, like you can just wait across that. Well, every once in a while, 
the river picks up and people are like, holy shit, you know, you know, yeah. we'd apprehend people and they'd be like, oh my God, that was scary. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if that's part of like what deters people in, in Texas is having that giant, uh, you know, body of water. I mean, I don't know. I know there are places where it's, where it's not real deep, you know, where it's okay. about waist deep, but I, I couldn't, I mean, I've, I've never been in the Rio Grande, you know, yeah, so I couldn't and, and tell you for sure where. I, I mean, part of it just depends on who's running the cartel. Like we, you know, during the time that I was there, we saw a couple of, of uh, leadership changes in the cartels. And it was definitely, like it was, it was noticeably different in their methods um, and, and how they, you know, how frequently they would attempt to cross and how they would attempt to cross. Right. So yeah, it's, I mean, the, the black market is just like any other market. It's, it's going to adapt to whatever, whatever we throw at it, they're going to adapt to it. Right. I mean, prices increase with the, uh, as exactly. things get more dangerous too. Right. And you know, you, we bring, we brought up the, um, the Rio Grande Valley. I, I'll tell you what, that, that is fucking chilling. And I was, okay. So I'm, this was 2012 or 13 and I'm driving, I'm driving truck and I'm going, um, from El Paso to Laredo. And, uh, I had, a I had a drop in Laredo and then, a, then a pickup in Laredo. And then I was heading up to Houston. And so I'm, I'm heading from El Paso to Laredo. And I decided to take this, uh, route that just followed the border. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you exactly where I was. Cause it was like two o'clock in the fucking morning. And I'm just, I'm the only person on this road other than I'd see one of the, you know, border patrol, like SUVs that were sitting on the side or whatever mm-hmm. every, every once in a while, probably sleeping, <clears throat> but I got to this one spot and I'd say this lasted for a little over an hour. This was going on. So probably about 60 miles. Cause I think the speed limit on that road, if I remember correctly, was 65. So for about, for about 60 miles. I remember seeing, I was, I was driving and there was this, this bright light. It just flashed. Pow. And I was like, what the fuck was that? And then here it comes around again, a couple of minutes later. Wow. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ. You know, and I'm trying to watch the road, make sure no mm-hmm. animals run out in front of me or people, you know, because I know I'm real close to the border. I know it's like probably about half a mile, you know, to, uh, to my West mm-hmm. at this point. And then it happened again, a big bright light, pow. And so I kind of just got the timing down and I looked up at just the right time as this light flashes and I could see the outline of a drone. And Mm -hmm. I guess my truck had triggered something going down this road at this time of night. And so this drone is taking pictures of me or some shit. I guess that's all it could be. But it's just this bright fucking white light. I was just like, this is fucking insanity. Y'all have to stop this shit. Right. And this, like I said, it went on for about an hour, like every few minutes, just this bright light right in my face. And yeah, I mean, trucks have have been identified as, you know, cargo trucks have been identified as one of the the methods that they like to use. So yeah, if you, you know, pull off at a truck stop and, you know, 50 people jump in the back, 
you've already been through a check station like so that's that's not surprising that they would be watching you. yeah and that's what that's when i realized they were using drones on the border you know oh yeah a lot of people like just found out this year and i was like no this has been going on for a while <laughs> this isn't something yeah new. <laughs> yeah so um and i kind of i mean back when i kind of you know, when I still believed in the mission, I, I, I was a drone operator in Afghanistan, like a, a, you know, kind of a, the one man drone, not like the big predator thing that, that, you know, that you have a console and everything. It's kind of like an on the ground deal. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was banging on everybody's door about this. I'm like, Hey, this would be a great asset for this. And nobody would listen to me or they wouldn't, they couldn't get it cleared or whatever. But um, I would not be the least bit surprised if those are, you know, it's been two years now. Like, I would not be the least bit surprised to to know that those are out there on top of, you know, like you said, probably the, the bigger, the, the bigger varieties of, of um, and there, God, there's so, so much out there, like, as far as technology, and this is all like, you know, this is all common knowledge this is public information there's sensors cameras um mobile cameras like all kinds of stuff that that is out there and i mean it, it's it's helpful but like your 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 average at least where i worked those most people the the, the agents that you really respect and you you know you want to learn from most of them don't even use that shit. Most of them are just like, you know what? Footprints don't lie. So uh, the sensors can tell me whatever they want to, but I'm going to follow the footprints until I catch them. And that was what we used. Yeah. You know, we, 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 we relied on, on footprints. So, you know, and even, you know, they would try to put carpet over their shoes or they'd, you know, do different things to try to, to disguise themselves. But like, that was, drag a sled um, behind them or right right mm -hmm. uh I, I think the most effective one i ever saw or or heard of was a uh, paint roller use a like a, a dry paint roller uh-huh so you walk backwards and you and you you know if you're going across a road where you know border patrol is going to be looking you just roll it out with a paint roller and, and, and keep going and it's supposedly you know i never tried it but supposedly uh covers your tracks pretty well no shit yeah. Huh. You know, you yeah, get creative, good at, man. <laughs> good at, well, that's that's the whole that, that's I, I guess that that's what kind of drives me insane about you know, there's this I don't see it as much in anarchist circles, but like in libertarian circles, and I was one of them, you know, like I even when I was working in the border patrol, I considered myself to be a libertarian cuz, you know, I wanted people to determine their own fates and what whatnot <laughs> you know the 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 part i was missing was that people also included non-americans right but, right um like there's still a chunk of libertarians that are not for you know liberalized immigration right and i'm like Actually, I lost my train of thought. What was, what was I? <laughs> oh, you were talking about, uh, you know, I, I was saying they get creative when trying to get across the border, and you're saying that's what liber a lot of liberals. Oh, 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 that's the, yeah, the 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 black market aspect, the the prohibition aspect. Right. Like, 
you you can't i mean you can't find a libertarian that won't that won't agree with you on prohibition of alcohol or drugs or prostitution but when you bring immigration for some reason that same prohibition doesn't ring true right but that was the you know kind of the hard lesson that i learned was it's exactly the same every step every every measure that we're taking is doing the same thing that the drug war is doing and that the alcohol war was doing you know we pass a law we pass a statute or we you know build a wall or whatever and the the two things that are guaranteed to happen is american citizens rights are going to be restricted and two they're gonna whoever we're trying to stop is going to get richer and more powerful by whatever methods that we try to impose yeah it's the same for drugs sex work and you know the flow of human beings the flow of labor or whatever you want to call it right well and there's so much you know part of it man is a lot of libertarians especially those that came came over in the during the ron paul revolution into the libertarian circles traveled there through the tea party Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you were uh, involved in the Tea Party or anything like that, but I was I I was excited about it for about you know three or four months. A month, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I went to one an meeting op- and I was like, oh, people are a fucking joke. <laughs> I'm an optimist. I gave it three or four months. <laughs> I went to one meeting. I was like, these people are a joke. But uh, it, one of the things I heard whenever I was first when I, I was, I was listening to Glenn Beck and I was kind of had my, I was dipping my toes into the tea party. Uh-huh. One of the things I heard was this rumor that these, these people, when they're being snuck over the border, they're get they're getting marching orders on how to receive benefits on how to file for all these uh, entitlement programs and this, that, and the other. And they're coming over here and with fake social security numbers and they -hmm. know how, they know how to take advantage of the system. Uh, How much of that did you, how much paperwork did you confiscate from these people on how to take advantage of the American system? Um, Some, some, not, not much. Uh, So, like there was one guy that I, I I apprehended who he was actually uh, a field worker, which uh, a lot of people don't don't know this, but Border Patrol is prohibited from um, so the the, like the the agricultural workers that that work along the border, we're prohibited from spot checking them so we can't just like go to an agricultural operation and start checking papers right it's not it's not allowed but if we have other intelligence or other you know articulable facts um so that's god that's something i need to get your your listeners or anybody that will freaking listen is when you have an interaction with law enforcement ask them what their articulable facts for investigating you are because that's what they're going to have to put in their report afterwards so 
you know, everybody that's videotaping and all this stuff, ask them, what are the articulable facts that initiated your investigation into me? Because if they tell you one thing and then they put something different in their report, that's a lie. They, they, you know, they have to keep that consistent. And most of the time, they don't have any articulate. I, I don't know. Most of the time may, may not be correct. Very often, they don't have any articulable facts. They're coming up on you because they think, ah, this guy's up to no good. Let me figure out. And then once they figure out what's going on, well, they've got the rest of their shift to write a report about you. Right. So if you have any, you know, this is just for your listeners. If you have any interaction with law enforcement, ask them what their articulable facts for their investigation into you are. And if you can document those and show that they're different from what they write there in their report, you've got a pretty good case. That's a tangent. I'll try to get back to your your original question. So, um, you know, I ha I happen to lawfully find myself in an interaction with this this field worker, mm. and I asked for his identification. You know, he ended up having like a false ID and a false so social security card. Mm. So, you know, we apprehended him and, and did the normal process. That's, I mean. That was like a one in a few hundred, probably. Like once in a while, we would stumble across somebody with, but normally, I mean, I don't think ever we came across somebody who was freshly across the border with documents that, you know, like false documents or anything like that. Normally, that's, that was. That's that was, actually what I was talking about. What I was okay. talking about is they were, uh, there was a rumor, like I said, this was back during the tea party. So I'm trying to remember exactly what it, what it, what they were claiming, but there mm -hmm. was a rumor that these people were getting, um, basically like, uh, step-by-step -step guides, like little pamphlets telling you how to manipulate the American system. Right. So supposedly the department of Homeland security had instructions for, applying for food stamps and, and welfare benefits on their home site. Okay. Which, which I believe was true. But what nobody ever really reported was even legal immigrants. So if you're an illegal immigrant, you're, you're just, you're, you're, you're not even eligible. But legal immigrants, unless you're in some kind of special category, I believe it's five years you have to be here before you can even apply for benefits. Right. So the, and, and so I brought up the, the false documents thing because that's the only way that I know of that anybody coming across can get any kind of benefits. Yeah. Is, is by using false documents. But that's, so that, I guess the point I was trying to get to there was crossing the border is innocuous it's mm -hmm. you know i'm as as a libertarian or as an anarchist or you know whatever i want to identify as i'm still against fraud to you know i, I i'm against stealing a person's identity in order to receive state benefits so right. like that's that's a separate crime right you know crossing the border 
in order to try to get a job to improve your station in life or to improve your life in general or to provide for your family, there's nothing about that that I think should be illegal. Mm-hmm. Stealing somebody's identity in order to get benefits, I do have a problem with that. Right. I don't want to – right. So, you know, that's – I guess that's the that's what I see too often is people conflating those or automatically assuming that well they cross the border so they're automatically going to commit X Y and Z crime like no crossing the border should have absolutely nothing to do with what happens after they do once they get here right well and also they they kind of miss the point of who these people are that are crossing the border. These are not wealthy individuals that are crossing the border. Right. All right? <laughs> so you're talking about a person who spent five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars just to get across the border is now right. also dumping another, you know, what, six thousand dollars on on documentation to, you know, to fraudulently, you know, manipulate the system. That a lot of times they're not they're not trying to to do that they're just trying to accomplish the getting across the border thing right you know? so and, and i'm glad I'm, re- I'm actually really glad you brought that up because that that goes back to the the human trafficking question that you 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 asked earlier um so yeah so the you know the the vast majority of the people that we saw were guatemalans um some hondurans and el salvadorans but the vast majority were from from guatemala um and most of those were like they didn't speak spanish they were you know up in the mountains they still spoke you know kind of ancient mayan dialects a lot of the adults didn't even speak spanish the kids usually spoke some spanish and they could kind of translate to the parents for us Mm -hmm. but most of the adults that we dealt with would speak um kiche is one uh, you know, I, there was a few others. I can't remember the, 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 the names, but they were, you know, Mayan dialects. Um, and so think about, you know, what we know about economy. How much money do you think uh, uh, a mountain woman from Guatemala who doesn't even speak Spanish, how much, how much do you think she has laying around in her bank account? Right. How long to, did it take her to get that $10,000? Well, that's that's the whole thing is that what what we kind of assumed and some people would tell us um, that they would essentially take out loans. So they would go to some of them, you know, some of them would sell their property. Like if they owned some property, you know, in the mountains or whatever, they'd sell it to the cartel for their fee to cross over. Some of them, if they didn't, if they weren't property owners, would just enter into a contract. Mm. So, um, so now you've got a, a, you know, a mother and her child or a father and, her ch- and, and his, his child who have a contract for whatever, $10,000 with, with some cartel. And now they come here and they have to work to pay that off. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're not being, you know, sexually exploited by, well, Epstein's not around anymore. So. <laughs> you know, Ghislaine Maxwell, but like, you know, maybe they're not being Bill sold Clinton. into sexual, sexual, yeah, yeah, Clinton's not, <laughs> not dipping his toes in there, but, uh, so maybe they're not being sold into sexual slavery, mm-hmm. but like, they're still in, 
essentially modern day indentured servants. Right. Well, and and that kind of that kind of leads me to another point that that's always been a point of contention for people is, well, they come here and work and they send the money back to Mexico to their families. Maybe they're not sending it to their family. Maybe right. they're sending it to the cartel. So the cartel doesn't come over here and cut, uh, you know, cut their heads off, you know, right. or whatever. Well, they're gonna it, do. At least for a period, at least until they have paid that debt off to get them over here. That's at least some of them. That's where the money is going. Well, all of us, um, all of us remember, like, you know, all, all of us know the stories of the mob and and how dangerous it was to be in debt to to mm. the mob and and to not pay them. You know, I mean, and the cartels are, if nothing else, more barbaric than the mob oh ever God. was. So know. so this is something I, I, you know, when I was in the military and I, you know, I went to Iraq first and then Afghanistan afterwards. But I was. You know that I was that kind of soldier where I was like, I want to know my enemy. So I watched every single one of those decapitation videos, mm -hmm. every one of those, you know, and you know they, I'm probably desensitized to a degree from watching that stuff. Right. But like, you know, I wanted to know my enemy's capabilities. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't look at people as my enemy anymore. But that was my mindset then. And when I started in the border patrol, I did the same thing. I went to all of those you know, those websites that show the cartel violence and the cartel violence is fucking way worse than the, ter you know, the, the Islamic terrorist stuff. Yeah. Those cartels are brutal. Mm -hmm. They're just, it's like, it's so despicable and disgusting. They go to lengths that, that, that these Islamic terrorists don't even approach. Right. And, you know, kind of probably your 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 2d thinker out there is like well then why would you support open borders well because it's not the borders that are our problem it's our drug laws that are giving those people that kind of power right so i don't i don't support open borders in a vacuum i support open borders along with ending the drug war and taking the power away from these fucking animals right and see, one, this is a conflation that a lot of people make too. It's because we're against we're against national or state border uh, controls. Right. We're not against personal property border controls. Right. We're not saying that you have to allow them, you know, to shop in the supermarket you own. You're not, we're not saying you have to allow them to eat in your restaurant. We're not saying you have to allow them in your kitchen. We're just saying that the nation or or the states shouldn't have that type of power to confiscate in a lot of cases. I don't know how Arizona is, but I know in Texas, that's a big deal. A lot of people live on the border, right mm -hmm. on the river. There's even a one guy, if they do build the fence to his property, It'll put his house on the Mexico side uh, of the fence, even though he's still in America and mm -hmm. he still lives in America because they have to build the fence 200. I think it was like something like 200 feet um, north of of the Rio Grande. So his house being directly on the river, overlooking the river, would end up being on the Mexican side of the river and he wouldn't right. be able to access, you know, things in his town. 
you know, and, right. and stuff like that. So we're against that. That's what we're against. Like, yeah. or, or there's that butterfly refuge that's right on the border. And if they build the fence, it's going to go right through the middle of the butterfly refuge. And it's going to destroy right. this lady's property. You know, that, all kinds of natural, not natural um, order that, that's already going on. Right. And so that, that's where people are missing the, the entire point of, of the conversation. It's not, I'm not against border security. I'm against national or state border security because I don't believe that is powers that we should be legitimizing for the government because then it will use, be used on top of eminent domain and be more restrictive on our personal right. private property rights. So on, I've got a couple of things. I hope I don't forget. <laughs> um, <laughs> you go where you want to go, man. I know you still so, had some notes we got to get to, and we're already 50 minutes on, in. <laughs> so on, on one of those points, uh, so last year, Students for Liberty invited me to D.C. to speak at at their, you know, SFL conference, right. the, uh, Liberty, Liberty Con 2019. So originally I was supposed to just give a speech by myself, and then we – you know, talked and worked things out. And I ended up giving a, a panel discussion with Alex Narasta, who's um, uh, Cato's, one of Cato's immigration policy experts. And um, God, I feel bad because I always forget this guy's name, but he was um, a philosopher um, who- Stephen Molyneux? No, I'm just playing. No, no, I'm no, kidding. No. It was a joke. <laughs> I was going <gonna> <laughs> to say. No, so he, he works for um, a publication, a, a Randian publication called um, The Objective Times, I think it was. But anyway, so Jeffrey he, he, Tucker, so, is it? No, 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 no. Oh. Um, although that Jeffrey Tucker was at Liberty Con, and that dude has like, the best looking suits I've ever seen. I'm like, <laughs> if I ever make enough money, I'm going to drop Jeffrey Tucker a line and be like, who made your suits? Cause I want to look like that. Him or Anyways. Roger Stone, but yeah, <laughs> Roger Stone, like Roger Stone, the one guy that actually looks like a comic book villain. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so on this panel, um, it was, it was actually a really good discussion, but for some reason it never got recorded and I can't find it anywhere. Um, but the philosopher guy, he was talking, you know, somebody asked a question about borders and he's like, you know, borders were never meant to be a, a, a checkpoint where like, oh, you can or can't enter. It was just supposed to be a signification of this is where our authority starts and yours stops. So like, feel free to come across the line just know that you're not subject to the laws on the other side of the line anymore. You're subject to our laws. Yeah. And that was something, I mean, you know, I'd worked on the border for how long, seven years and had never even like thought of that concept that like, Oh, it's not a, it's not a keep out line. It's not a do not cross line. It's just an indication of, okay, now you're playing by our rules. Yeah. And that's, that's the same thing with my house. Like, like, I've got a, you know, I've got a fence around my, my yard, but like, if you ask, you know, if most people that are going to come to my door, if they ask to come, you know, if they need something, I'm going to let them in and get them, get them what they need. So yeah. I, I, I think most people kind of feel that way. 
Um, so just it, it's it's a weird and you know this kind of goes back to mission creep. Like it's a it's it's a weird way that we've thought about borders that we've as a as a country or as a society have begun to think about borders in a way that they're exclusionary rather than significant. Well, like, didn't that start with Chavez? Uh, because um, I, he, you know, he was extremely communist, socialist, but his his entire thing was that you're talking like the United Farm Workers, Chavez. Yes, yes, yes. Right. Um, his his entire thing was that the workers of of the United States couldn't be protected as long as there were people coming from over the border to right. to work for lower prices. Right. So that the and, union and, couldn't, the union couldn't monopolize, you know, that industry. Right. And I chuckle because, I mean, I'm here in Arizona. Every, you know, every Chavez day, you know, there's like a, you know, they have a uh, national holiday or whatever, you know, a holiday for them. Every Chavez day, there's billboards up all over the place. And I'm like, oh, you mean that guy that used to like turn people into the border patrol for coming across? To right. Try to work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that guy oh that's the guy we're honoring now oh let's let's just combine his and uh christopher columbus we yeah. can like celebrate them all together <laughs> but i mean i don't know if that's if he's the one who actually started you know the the idea but i think he popularized it oh he definitely popularized it yeah yeah and there's i mean my so my chiropractor when i lived in yuma um when i was still in the border patrol but i was you know, this was kind of like on my way out. I would my my chiropractor was a first generation immigrant. He was born in I think it was Matamoros, Mexico. Came here, raised his whole family in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Huge Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was he was friendly with me and understood my my plight. But he was like, he was a build that wall guy. And I was just like, what fucking universe am I living in? That, yeah. you know, white as white can be me is is trying to stick up for, you know, the people of the world. And my guy who's who's a first generation immigrant is like, yeah, build that wall, Trump. Bring it to us. I'm like, I kind of get some of their point of view on that, though. Um, some of these guys are like, you know, I sat in line for years. I went through right. the, the process. I spent right. all this money and this time. And then you got people shortcutting it. Yeah. Like, why can't they just do it the way I did it? Like, I kind of get yeah. that. I kind of get the idea of the, the whole fairness argument, you know, but my mama always told me life isn't fair. Um, no, you're right. You're right. Like most, I, I, I have to remind myself that I, I am purposefully a radical thinker. Like I, right. Right. Yeah. Purposely, we, we do everything in our possible, impossible to think consistently. We right. want to be consistent. So, like, right. if we if we find like an inconsistency, then we then we gotta then we gotta fight that within right. our minds. Most people don't worry about that shit. Yeah, you know, and and that's that that's what makes a lot of us. I mean, it drives a lot of us crazy when we're trying to talk to people because most people are like, I don't give a shit if I'm being inconsistent. It makes right. sense to me. Yeah, you know? it works out for me. Yeah, yeah. So, what does it fucking matter if I'm being inconsistent? Who cares? You know. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it, it's, it's definitely like just a difference in the way we think, but it's the, the, the time we've spent thinking that a lot of people don't sp- spend that time thinking, 
you know? God, and I, I wish they would. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I, I think I've pretty much given up even wishing that yeah. much. I, I certainly yeah. don't even try to tell them that they're being inconsistent. I'm just like, okay. I just, I just, well, I just mock them and move on. I'll freaking talk with anybody, man. Like I, I haven't, I haven't been to church in a decade or more. And one of the last podcasts I did was on a Christian podcast. Yeah. And like, that's, he's, you know, God Like he's, he's, you know, he's an anarchist, but he's a oh, Christian Mike, anarchist. Mike's awesome. I know Mike. Yeah. Mike is great. Mike yeah. is like, and like, you know, I'm like, dude, open a church and I'll go to your church. <laughs> yeah. He's been on my podcast like two or three times. I was texting him the other day. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Mike's, Mike. Mike's freaking great. Um, Oh, so I did. I did remember the second point that I wanted to get to. No, sorry, I, I threw you off the rails there. No, it's it's fine. I, I love just letting the conversation go. Um, but but uh, since I actually did remember it, I want to bring it up. Um, <laughs> <Here I> go. <laughs> uh, so the the weird thing is the whole the the the, the drug war deal. Mm. If we if we you know by some some fucking stroke of luck or or wave of of a magic wand we're able to end the drug war. And obviously this shit won't happen overnight. Right. But eventually, so I, I you know, I'm still friends with some Bortac guys, you know, mm-hmm. so the, those guys, the, the secret Portland. police yeah, the in Portland, Portland snatching people up. Um, yeah. Those are Bortac guys. So mm-hmm. they're, these are like kind of maybe a step down from like your green beret. Like these are some badass dudes. These mm-hmm. guys go, you know, they're wildly physical, physically fit, mentally tough. These are, these are, you know, they're good guys is, you know, I'm friends with some of them, but they're like, dudes, you do not want to fuck with right. these guys. Like in small teams go out in the middle of nowhere with no support and hunt down either drug traffickers who they know might be armed, or there's something called a rip crew who, um, they're basically rival drug traffickers who try to rip off their rivals' loads. Right. So, so those guys are always armed. So these guys go out in the middle of the desert where it's like, I mean, if you've ever been in like desolate middle of the desert, it's spooky. <laughs> and I've spent many, many, many nights out there. It's spooky being like all by yourself in wilderness in the middle of nowhere like that yeah so these guys like go out there as a matter of course and like hunt down these dudes that they know are armed or probably armed so those are the guys that we've sent to portland to quell the freaking like graffiti artists which is scary as fuck yes right and and the washington post just recently released something saying that like a white house official has um confirmed that this is nothing to do with law and order this is all about getting good viral videos have you seen that <laughs> no, yeah i haven't they, seen that they, yeah the, this is the washington and I'm, I'm not a washington post subscriber so i was only able to get the quote but basically they said this is not about changing the tide or like anything this is about getting viral videos yeah so like it's about the election right exactly yeah. yep so anyways mobilize those trump supporters before i left and you know so the the bortec guys they work 
they have a different station, a different compound. So I don't see them on a very regular basis. But right. I was able to like chat with some of these guys before I before I quit and before I left. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, hey, how's how's things going? What's been new? They're like, man, nothing. Like, this is supposed to be our busy season, and there's nothing going on. So, just like, you know, this is anecdotal, but it's like these are guys who just a couple of years ago were like going out there and just like nabbing drug traffickers, just swooping in, you know, snatching these guys up. Mm-hmm getting you know prosecuting these cases for and now they've got nothing to do because well it's legal in california colorado essentially legal legal in arizona right it's legal in like the majority of western states right these guys don't have anything to do anymore right so that's i mean as if you didn't you know if you didn't need any other philosophical proof that like the same prohibition with alcohol would apply to apply to street drugs. Like this is, you know, I'm talking to my buddies like, dude, we got nothing to do. We go out there and there's just nothing going on. So I guess what, you know, that brings me back to the majority of the reasons why people are leaving Mexico and Guatemala and Honduras and El Salvador are these drug gangs. And if we give those drug gangs, no reason to exist and no ability to hold that power anymore. I could almost guarantee that fewer people are even going to try to come to the U S. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see that, but not that I, I mean, not that I have a, like, fuck, if you want to come to the U S and make a better life, like, dude, I don't want, I'm in Arizona. I don't want to put roofs on houses. I don't, and I, you know, I'm a tradesman. I do carpentry. I do not want to be a roofer. So if there is somebody from any fucking corner of the world that wants to come to Arizona and put roofs on houses, please feel come. free. Yeah. Be my guest. I don't want to do that. That sucks. Yeah. So I, I'm not saying like, I don't want people to come. Come on. Like if, if, if you want to like come and be a part of our society, go ahead. But if you're an immigration restrictionist, the best thing you can do to restrict immigration is end the drug war because you're creating a better environment. Like the, the environment that these people are leaving in droves, you're going to eliminate that to a degree. Right. Yeah. The, the, only, the only small pushback I would give you, and it's not like – it, not to say that it would be at the same level it is now – but you right. look at as after uh, alcohol was was legalized uh, in 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 the U.S., the mafia didn't disappear. I mean, they just found right. other rackets to get involved in. Right. But what are they in now? Gambling and yeah, uh, I mean, it, prostitution, prostitution, gambling, money laundering. You know, who right. knows? I mean, I know they still oh, yeah, exist, I, uh, but they're I, not. I guess- they're not powerful ID, by any stretch of the imagination. ID theft is the the new big thing that that, that the organized crime is getting into. Like, you know, yeah, they're, they're, but then they gotta they gotta compete with the with those young hackers that right. I don't, I don't right. think they can compete with. But but yeah, so it, it's not gonna eliminate the cartels, and we're no. not we're not by any stretch of the imagination not being utopian. Well, I'm just clarifying for 
you know, people that would be like, but, 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 but there's other things. Uh, yeah. Okay, no, you're right. You're things. right. I, I, I speak about it kind of not flippantly, but like in, in broad strokes, you're right. Like it's not, it's not a, it's not a, a fix all, but it's, but it would also end a lot, a lot of the violence. Cause if you look at what right. happened after the legalization of, of alcohol in the United States, a right. lot of the violence, you know, was curbed. Yeah, I mean, even if they do, especially the violence to... against uh, cops, you know, yeah. it kind of it kind of remained between the the families after that. There was not like all this external casualties taking place, you know. That, well, that's and... that's something that uh, gets glossed over in the media in, in the U.S. Like, so what is it like? Sixty percent of the gun deaths are suicides, right? Something like that. Yeah, I know it's high. So it's it's a huge number of the of the the gun deaths are suicides, and a vast majority of the others are from people that they know. So this is like this is an individual gets involved with another individual that they probably know is up to something no good, and ends up getting you know becoming a, a part of that violence. So yeah. it's not like this idea so that's that kind of drives me insane about um, you know the the american media coverage of of gun violence in in the us like as far as the numbers i've seen and 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 the way i understand it the majority of gun violence occurs to it's like the the the, the idea of random violence is is almost unheard of mm. like yeah almost everybody that is involved in some sort of, of, of violence is involved with somebody that they know. And it's, you know, it's a personal beef or it's like, yeah, you know. but, but they're not going to tell you about that because it's not near as scary as telling you about the guy on the court right. steps, you know, right. shooting up, shooting up a crowd, you know, I mean, they, they're trying, this is, this is fear porn. Yeah. You know, and you know, seeing that Joe Bob killed Billy Bob isn't, isn't near as scary as seeing that, that, Kevin Ashler, Ashley Garland shot up 60 people that he didn't know at a concert. Right. You know, I, it's just, especially you got to throw that middle name in there to make him sound really notorious. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. you, you, you really got to, got to like linger on that middle name. Yeah. It's like the middle, the, the, the media version of your parents calling you by your middle name when you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's even scarier if the guy has three first names. <laughs> You know, John Wesley Tyler. Oh man, you know that's a bad dude. He probably ate people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but well, we're over an hour, man. What what was it that there were specific topics you want to touch on? Let's get on. Let's get to one real quick. Uh, so the the I guess I'll I'll get to the one um I told you about uh Pete and I after Pete and I's last podcast we had a conversation afterwards and he's like man why didn't you bring this up during the podcast i'll bring that up <laughs> okay um and then i'll let so, Pete correct me after after this he can call you <laughs> up and be like you know what that motherfucker has no idea what he's talking about get back on my podcast <laughs> right so uh it, it, so there was this 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 idea in you know border patrol work that so when you you know when you're new to the to the patrol and you're, you're trying to figure out how, how everything goes. Like you don't learn anything in the Academy. Like You learn all the law shit and you get out of the Academy and you're like, 
okay, I know a bunch of laws and I don't know how to do my job. Well, you go through like an on-the-job training program with, at your station to actually learn how to, to do, do the job. And one of the main things that they, they focus on is identifying yourself. And that helps in prosecuting your case. They say, you know, so the, the funny thing, so we are, we, you know, we have to learn everything in Spanish. Okay. And uh, the Spanish way to say I'm a Border Patrol agent is um, soy agente de la patrulla fronteriza which is, you know, my white boy Spanish, it's not very good. Uh, but that, so that's, you know, literally means I am a border patrol agent. Okay. I can't tell you how many times I've said that, that phrase and gotten a blank ass look. Really? Uh, you know, the, cause most, most Mexicans that we interacted with don't speak proper Spanish. They no, speak they just slang say Spanish. La migra. Yeah, so that's what I ended, eventually ended up getting into was soy la migra, soy yeah. la migra. That's it's just so much easier. It rolls off the tongue, but yeah, you so can sure call me, dude. I grew up in Katy, Texas, right outside of Houston. <laughs> I could have told you that. You're right. <laughs> yeah, I like I like to learn the hard way. Um, so, but but like that's kind of a hard thing to get into, like the identifying yourself because, you know when you're just like you're sitting there and you're doing your job and everything's normal and then oh shit i you know i saw some footprints so i'm gonna start chasing it da, 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 and you finally catch the person and like adrenaline's flowing and you don't know what's going on like the first probably five times i caught anybody i just straight up forgot to identify myself and so i you know and you have to write a report after every encounter right so i'd like i'd write my report and then I take it to a supervisor to, you know, to put his initials on it to verify that he he okayed it. Right. And and they kept telling me like, oh, well, you didn't put that you identified yourself. And I'm like, well, I didn't. I'm not going to lie in my report. And they're like, oh, well, you were in your truck, right? Yeah. Well, it has the the border patrol logo on it, right? Yeah, yeah. it's got the insignia. Well, you were in uniform, right? Right. Yeah, well, that so you identified yourself by wearing your uniform and your, you know, your your service vehicle. Oh wow! And I was like, ah, uh, I mean, I would still pro I protest, and like maybe the first time I let them get by with that, and I was like, after that, I was just like, no, I'm the one that's gonna have to go to court over this. I'm not gonna put that in my report. So until I got into the habit of identifying myself, I wouldn't put that in my report. Well, right. that that's something that's been like sticking out to me with these portland things like these guys are in fucking camo in the middle of a city why are you wearing camo in the middle of a city like camo in the middle of a desert to, to it's, track it's down intimidation truck? right you're you're but, looking at military you're not looking at you know i mean that's i mean that's kind of the image that's given out it it, get, it puts forth this a psychological image it's like we were talking about beforehand even you having been law enforcement getting pulled over and seeing the blue and red lights in your rear view mirror right. makes you nervous. It's that, it's that psychological, you know, uh, damage that they, that it does to a person. Right. And so I guess my worry is that, I mean, it's, it's pretty like, that's pretty standard, whether it's local PD, border patrol, whatever. Right. By, you know, by policy, you're supposed to, announce who you are before you begin the interaction right so these guys who are there you know they're you know, they're being called the secret police or whatever hmm. like 
what what precedent are we setting by you know obviously some media outlets are covering this and and some people are upset about this but largely i i'm seeing a lot of comments on twitter people just feeling like oh well they shouldn't have been out there oh well they shouldn't have been whatever you know what precedent are we setting that's saying well oh we don't have to have you know and and that's that's even assuming that the 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 previous scenario that i set out like if you're if you're a, a an immigrant from Mexico crossing the border, you don't know what the patch on my shirt says. Yeah, you don't know what that what my truck says. It's not written in Spanish. Right. I've seen the Border Patrol trucks. None of them are written in Spanish. Right. So, but that's supposed to qualify as as me identifying myself. Right. Well, I'm I'm speaking English here in America, and I'm seeing these guys in Portland, and I have to zoom in. To even see the subdued patches that these guys are yeah, wearing. Yeah, they were very, they were very small. They had like this little patch on their sleeve, and right. And yeah, it was, it was really right. strange. And, so and then there are people defending it. Yo, no, they're, they're marked. They're wearing marked uniform. I'm like, oh, come on, man. That's you like, know, that's, that's like saying a guy, uh, a cop hiding behind the trees wasn't trying to, you know, entrap you. That's right. bullshit. Right. So you know, like that combined with the statement from that that Washington Post article that oh we're not out there trying to you know solve the problem we're trying to get good good viral videos like to me this is just it's it's a dangerous path we're going down that like oh well well our law enforcement don't really need to be um properly identified because you know they're out there doing the right thing and these protesters are doing the wrong thing like that just seems i mean it's well no i mean i wouldn't even say they're doing the right thing and this is what i was telling i was trying to tell uh some some leftist friends of mine that were were defending the protests and i'm like look man true my mama always told me two wrongs don't make a right if you right. keep fucking around and and destroying property and doing all this bullshit the federal government's going to react and you're not going right. to like that reaction you people right. think you know what fucking violence is you think you know what a revolution is you're about to get your fucking asses handed to you and you better cut it the fuck off because you're going to get hurt like people are going to get really fucking hurt and this right. isn't fucking funny you're playing with people's lives here you know and you're out there larping revolution and playing this fucking game and it's like i i brought up in our slack chat the other day after this whole portland thing that some of the leftists were like well they were portland is 300 miles away from the uh canadian border so border patrol can't fuck around in portland right. no nah, motherfucker it's 80 miles from the fucking uh ocean that's right. it like you're fucked it's right there it's at a border i don't give a shit you're within 100 miles so i yeah. mean y'all can fucking try to play this well that's not a border that's an ocean no that's a that's a fucking border sorry right. <laughs> you know i mean i don't know how to tell you this any nicer way you know and yeah sending these guys out there in 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 fatigues and you know or in, or in bdus and to to go after you know protesters children you know for the most part they're they're fucking kids they're right brains aren't even developed properly to know oh, what Jesus the hell is going Christ. on if, if uh, i was 23 right now i can't even i mean i'm it's one of those things like i'm so glad to be at the age of maturity i am now because you know i was 
I was I, well, I was apolitical, but I don't know in, in today's day and age if you can be apolitical at that age. Right, right. Post nine eleven, it's hard to be. Right. Yeah. No, I was just out. I was out getting too drunk um, when I was twenty three, and you know, not not a lot's changed. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's a psychological it's psychological warfare on top of you know, and it's not only it's not only meant to scare the people that they're taking into custody. I mean, it really looks like a commando force dropping yeah. into a foreign country and, and pulling in POWs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what it looks like. I mean, that's, that's psychologically damaging to these right. kids, you know? And so, yeah, it's meant to send fear and terror, get a viral video. You're going to, you're doing some crazy, you know, off the wall, you know, commando shit in the middle of a U.S. city. Yeah, that video is going to go fucking viral. There ain't well, no lie about that. I mean, I'm, I'm personally like, I'm a little disappointed in, and I, you know, it's, it's, I guess it's kind of weird for me to say this, but like, you know, this organization that I've completely turned my back on, even though I still have some friends that are still in there. Well, you res- you have some respect for some of the for the people that that are right. that are right. fo- I, are following I these orders, and you're like, I'm disappointed. Because right, I, I know who I, you guys are. Right. I wish, like, okay, you get the order to go to Portland. Fine. You can't, if, if you care about your career, you can't disobey that order. Fine. I get that. Now, if, if it were me, the way I would have handled that is I would have showed up to Portland and I would have stood there. And I would have stood there and I would have collected my paycheck and I just would have stood there. Like, these guys are with gusto just beating the fuck out of people and that's where i'm like these are your fellow citizens disagree with them politically that's one thing you're beating the fuck out of them and you're spraying them for standing there and talking to you yeah. that you know though the, there was two different veteran videos one veteran medic and one veteran that navy guy and i they saw the navy talk- i saw the navy guy Right. They were talking to the, 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 the veteran medic. He was an older guy. It was even worse than the, than the Navy guy because, you know, the Navy guy, they kind of like told him, get out, get out, get out. The, the old, the, the medic guy, they didn't even tell him. Somebody just like came up from the side and sprayed him right in the face. And I've been sprayed with pepper spray. Like that's part of what we have to do to in the Academy. Yeah. Dude, I've, I've been punched, kicked, tased i mean you name it i'd take any of that shit over being pepper sprayed again that stuff sucks that is like i mean in the moment it's like an hour of just complete misery but the rest of your day is fucked right the rest of your day you're just miserable yeah so like i don't and i don't think that's what's really one of the things that's really bugging me is like well in that shit that they're using now man that's not like your your old school fucking pepper spray that's like bear mace that shit shoots out like a goddamn uh like like a fire extinguisher and it's a super high percentage like when i got sprayed what are uh, they what are they making it out of nowadays is it is it still cayenne peppers or yeah 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 Yeah, i think it's like cayenne and habanero and whatever but they they, it it goes off of the percentage of 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 oc so i think most civilian um types of oc are like under five percent i think this is like ten percent like my 
my ears and around my uh, neck were just peeling the yeah. day, you know, like for, for several days after getting sprayed. Right. Um, and then that, like, that's, that's the, that's the good, like, that's the bright side. These dudes that are losing eyes with, yeah, you know, the, the rubber bullets, the rubber and the pepper bullets, balls man. And stuff. That, I saw some chick, she had, it looked like she had a third eye in the middle of her head. Right. And oh like, my God. Or it, did you see the video on the free thought project when the cops, the two cops did a drive by on these three kids? Mm-mm. Oh my God. That I was like, fuck these people, man. They yeah. fucking, they rolled up and there's these like three, they look like, I don't know, 13, 14 year old kids with, with their bikes, just bullshit and just talking, walking down the sidewalk and these cops roll up and then stop. And this one cop hangs out the window and starts shooting rubber bullets at these kids. Jesus Christ. It's like, what? they're not even at a protest, man. Right. Like, they're not and doing anything. So this is, this is something that, cause you know, I, I, my mom's a Trump supporter and I think my dad's a, a Joe Jorgensen this time around, but like, you know, I, so I go have breakfast with my parents each week and we, we, you know, we talk politics with that kind of family. Right. But so I don't know if it's just like because I don't watch Fox News and I'm not seeing the other side of the story or whatever. But like the only stuff that I'm seeing is these, you know, whether it's the Bortac or Marshalls or the local PDs or whatever. I'm not seeing anybody like going after the people actually committing any violence. They're, they're not. just gra- I've they're said just it grabbing. They're grabbing the first <clears throat> easiest target. And just beating the shit out of it and then going to the next. Like, it's just grabbing whatever is easiest, Look, the smallest. Here, here's what I've seen. All the rioting and looting that keeps popping up is happening after after the sun goes down in, mm-hmm. at dark, right? All the videos you see of the cops going after people is in the middle of the day with yeah. these people just standing around. Right. And that's what I'm having a problem with. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. If you want to go after the rioters and looters, that's fine. But this is what I was telling my friends on the left. Y'all, y'all open a can of worms you don't want to fuck with. Because these people aren't going to discriminate. They don't care. Right. Yeah, you know? they're just, they're just like, oh, I get to, indi- you know, you can't tell me that somebody that joins up for that job. I, I was one of them, dude. I, you know. Give me an opportunity to use the tools that I'm given to enforce the law. Sure, I will. But they're not do. What I'm seeing is not that. Right. They're not do. It's not enforcing the law. It's just like wanton grab whatever's closest to you and beat the shit out of it. Right. And I can actually tell just by like the the way your tone has changed, like the disappointment you feel. You yeah. Know, knowing that you were part of that at one time, saying like. I knew these guys, like I admired these guys. I respected these right. guys. Like we were buddies. Well, like, the, 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 the guy, is, the guy I know wouldn't, wouldn't act like that. Right. You know? I mean, like if, if, you know, when I would go into the, the parking lot at my border patrol station, there were tons of Gadsden flags and, you know, the Molon Labe or whatever. Like these are guys that at least in some way identify with like, liberty or small government principles or whatnot not realizing that well i'm part of dhs i'm not part of you know dhs is not small government but you know at least they had that idea in their head that like you know we're all citizens we're all here we're all part of the same club 
will treat each other with a level of respect. Right. But, and in fact, <laughs> I just remembered this, uh, my last day in the border patrol, um, one of, uh, so our, our uh, use of force instructor was like this badass, I think he's like a black belt jujitsu guy. Um, you know, he's, he's had, you know, legit, legit cage match fight, fight fights and everything. Mm-hmm. Pretty badass dude. Um, and he kind of was wandering through the hallways and bumped into me and was like, Hey, what's going on? I'm like, well, I actually just quit today. He's like, what? <laughs> you know? And he's like, what are you, you going to go join Antifa? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see, I guess. <laughs> but like, it, I guess, it wasn't on the to-do list, but it now wasn't that you mentioned, huh. right. Like, I mean, I am technically anti-fascist. I'm not going to be out there in the streets, but fucking, uh, yeah, that just kind of, I, that, that thought just popped into my head that like, maybe they don't see these people as their fellow citizens. Like, but that's maybe not, you know, I, I, and I've always like, when I was in the, when I was in the military, you know, it was, it was always kind of the trope that everybody said, you know, was, you know, kind of that, that quote that's attributed to Voltaire is I may not agree with with the way that you exercise your freedoms. I may not agree with everything you say, but I will defend to the death your right to right. say it or to right. exercise your freedoms in that way. And so that was always kind of the mentality I had. And you know that and, and I think that kept me in the conservative mindset and the conservative, you know, uh kind of what I always kind of refer to as the conservatarian kind mm-hmm. of uh arena for longer than i probably should have and it took i mean it honestly took took hearing judge napolitano say well you know being called an anarchist isn't so bad and i'm like wait what you know (laughs) you know so it it was always kind of one of those things that yeah that um i still kind of find my instincts at times pulling me in that direction and i have to you know, stop my emotional reaction and actually think about it, you know, and that's what I've learned how to do is to stop that knee jerk, like, yeah, fuck those motherfuckers and go, okay, like what's happening here? Like, what are we, what are we actually looking at? You know? And, and so I think that's really important, you know, uh, an important transition that you've made, you know? And I think that the, you're kind of going through like, the steps of grief whenever you're yeah. seeing your <laughs> yeah. your former colleagues acting in this way right you know yeah that's i, I haven't thought about that way but uh, i i think you're i think you're definitely onto something there yeah because i mean i can't steps i can't of grief. i can't imagine I, well i can't imagine looking at see like the people i served in the military with like one of the one of the few guys I still remain in touch with. He's in, he's at the Pentagon. Uh-huh. When we talk, we don't talk about his job and you know what they're doing. I, I've just never, you know, I don't know what his security clearance is, anything like that. I don't care. I don't I don't really care to know that much mm-hmm. about what he's doing. He 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 knows that I'm I stand where I stand. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if he knows why I stand where I stand, but he knows I do. And you know, I'm like, well, I'm not gonna let. I try not to let it get in the way uh, of our friendship. You know what I'm saying? That's not, mm-hmm. we don't talk enough for me to sit there and lecture him on why he should 
quit now and you know or whatever like it's just not my place the way i look right. at it but i mean that was like i that was what like like you said it was two years ago man you were working with these guys you knew yeah. these guys like this was 2003 i was in the military that was a long yeah. time ago you know so it's it, it's just like you're you're seeing this like they didn't change that much you know from when i was there they're right. still the same guys they're still doing the same job so yeah. what happened like was i that oblivious to the kind of people i was working with and the character flaws that they had so yeah i can i can completely understand kind of your reluctance and in your you know kind of disappointment in the entire situation yeah yeah, I mean, I would have been, I would have, I, I, I would have loved to been able to get on Twitter and be like, hey, look, these guys were called out there to go, you know, be a show of force. And they showed up, but they just put their hands behind their backs and, and said, you know what, this is not our role. We're not going to take part in this. Right. I would have loved to have been able to be like, proud of my guys and be like, yeah. Or they you know only what? stepped in whenever things got out of hand. You know, right. they, they're right. a riot control, you know? Right. Not breaking some 50-year-old veteran's hand for asking them if they still believed in the Constitution. Right. You know, Constitution this motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, well, and that's, you know, that's kind of what, you know, Pete goes on about whenever he talks law enforcement. He's like, look, man, these, these guys don't give a shit about the Constitution. Um, and it's sad, man, because I, I know cops and I've, I've brought up like, you know, different organizations, you know, Oath Keepers and things like that to them. And they just, mm -hmm. they're just like, oh, I don't want to talk about that shit. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm like, whatever. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. And, you know, and Pete says it all the time. They, they'll all tell you the same thing. If you don't like the laws, you need to, you need to vote for different politicians. Right. Well, I mean, you're basically admitting that the laws are at least flawed right and aren't necessary well, it's 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 like it's it's the subtext of i was only following orders yeah like i'm not it's, it's not they're not even admitting that i'm only following orders it's like uh well i don't even care i just want to get my paycheck yeah my it's, it's 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 not my call like whatever right in fact I last mean, day on the job there was so <laughs> I'll try not to make this long because I know we've been on this for a, a while. Yeah, I'm already uh, driving again. I don't know if you can hear the engine noise. All right. so, it's all right. <laughs> uh, so, um, I mean, I, 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 my last several months there, like, I, I'd talk shit here and there. But, so what, what, what I did just for my personal, um, sanity was I didn't want to be an enforcer anymore. So I stopped, like I, I volunteered for processing duty, which is gross. It's, I mean, you've got hundreds of people who haven't showered in weeks, cooped up in a confined space and you call them out one at a time to do their casework. Like it's, it's a miserable, like you're doing paperwork in an unhygienic situation. It's a miserable situation. But in my mind, I was like, well, at least I'm not actively out there putting my hands on people and taking their freedom away. Yeah. So my last few months in the border patrol, I spent doing that. And 
became friends with one of these, uh, like a newer guy that, you know, basically with that, if they didn't get volunteers, they went off to seniority. So the newer guys got picked and, and, and told to go to do that. Right. So it was basically like me and a couple other guys and then a bunch of new guys. So I started chatting with this new guy. He was, you know, nice guy, interesting dude. And on my last day, he's like, dude, you're quitting. You're giving this up, you know, with all the years you have in, like, why would you do that? And I tried to explain to him, you know, a brief view of my philosophy. And he's like, dude, you actually think about this shit when you go home? And I was like, yeah. And sometimes it keeps me up at night. He's like, not me, dude. I go home and I don't think a bit about work. And I was like, well, that must be nice. Yeah. I, you know, on one hand, well, yeah, I'd be making much better money if I could compartmentalize to that degree. But on the second hand, I'm like, we're tech buddies that I recently got in back in touch with. You know, we were talking about me leaving. I was like, dude, every day that I put that uniform back on and showed up to work, I felt like my soul died a little bit more. And so I just had to go. Well, it became a moral objection to you. It wasn't just right. a philosophical objection, right? right. He, the way right. he looked at it was like, this was something that you were just thinking about, but you, this right. was something that was just eating you alive. It was morally, right. you felt like you were doing something immoral. And, right. and so that's a completely different story. It'd be like, well, I mean, you know, 40% of law enforcement beat their wives, but let's say he was one of the 60% that didn't. And, <laughs> right. and he went home and beat his wife every night. It would keep him up, you know, like, right. Maybe. Right. I, I don't know. Possibly. <laughs> Maybe he would sleep better because she would shut up. Who knows? I'm, I'm all in favor 100% of anybody that brings up that 40% statistic. <laughs> You know what? Uh, so we used to have these like, and it, it kind of reminds me of like 1984, because like right by the armory, we had this like big flat screen TV and it would do like public service announcements, like, you know, DHS related public service announcements. And during Domestic Violence Awareness Month, there would always be these like, remember, don't beat your wife. Remember, throwing things at the wall can counts as domestic violence. Like all the, and I'm just like, you know, in my mind, I'm like, who the fuck are these messages for? Because I'd never heard, you know, like when I was in, I'd never heard that statistic. Yeah. And like after I got out, I was like, oh, I was probably working with, you know, those 40%. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Probably 40% of the people you were working with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, if they really wanted to put an end to it in law enforcement, what they would do is they would have a, 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 a screen scrolling names. And, right and with a with a score tally next to them of how how many times they had beat their wife that month right you know and that's just embarrass the shit out of them you know maybe they keep their hands to themselves something something's got to work <laughs> yeah who knows man well it's I, like i think i think pete says the same thing he's like i don't think people were meant to do this job yeah well I no and, and it's not it's it's see Here's, here's one of my main things and people cannot like, like you want to talk about compartmentalize people cannot compartmentalize what I am saying 
about the job versus the people. I'm like, I'm not talking about the people. I don't know these people as individuals. Like they could have been like, like you, like with you, you knew these guys, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, and that's why when you see somebody that you possibly could have, could have been, you know, associated with doing something out of character, you're like, you're not the same guy. Like, no, that's not who I fucking went and had a beer with after work. You know, that's not the type of person that I associate with, with Vortec. Well, so I'm not talking about the individuals, you know, Mm -hmm. the individually fine. They could all be perfectly gleeful, joyful, wonderful people that Mm -hmm. are giving toys to tots and all that wonderful stuff. Which is, which is an interest like that, that you bring that up is an interesting thing. Like the, in my experience, so I spent a little bit of time before I joined the border patrol, I was actually trying to uh, go to the special forces selection for the army. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I spent a little bit of time in, you know, a training program with, with them <laughs> and I would interact with actually, you know, the, the actual green berets and it was, the, the weird thing, and I, I tell me if you had the same experience in the military, the more badass the dudes were, the nicer they were. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the, like the SEALs, the Green Berets, the, those dudes, like they don't have anything to prove. They've already proved to themselves and their peers that they've got what it takes. So they're like the nicest guys you'll ever fucking meet. Right. I had, uh, my, my neighbor, um, I had gotten, uh, housing on, on post because I was, uh, I was married and I had kids and my neighbor was an E five that had just finished Sears training Mm -hmm. and him and his wife were probably the coolest people. Yeah. They were just wonderful people. And, um, I remember going through, uh, the PX on there on Bragg, that big, the big PX on Bragg. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've ever been on Bragg, but, uh, I was an E2 at the time and there was this, and I'm wearing, I'm wearing like a metal shirt. Uh, I don't even remember what, what shirt it was, but, um, and I'm walking, you know, I got my, you know, my head shaved and I got my, you know, Pantera shirt on or whatever. And there's this dude walking through there and he had this big ass fucking beard and long hair and big old built dude, probably about six, four, six, five. And he walks up and he's like, fuck yeah, dude. And I'm like, all right. And I started talking to him and I've come to find out he was, he was one of those that shall not be named, you know? Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, wow. Like you're, y'all, you're fucking badass dude. You know, like he was like an E7, you know, he's like, he's like, whatever. And I was right. like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it was the, it was, it was the, it was always the legs that had so much to prove, you know? Right. So. Right. It was the, yeah, the, the guy, yeah, especially like if they weren't airborne, like, yeah. was, you know, they got to do something to make their plate, to make their mark or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they came to brag to train, you know? Oh, it was, yeah. It was yeah. Like, come on, man. Like, we're just hanging out. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, whatever. Be cool, bro. Be cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I do remember one time I was, uh, I was carrying something for uh, my first sergeant. He had, he had had me, moving some a couple of boxes of something for him and so i'm carrying it from the barracks to his office and it was uh it was non-infantry i don't know what their mos was 
but uh, it was a captain come walking by and I didn't put the box down and salute him. And he about shit himself. I, I think he was, a, I think he was a new captain uh-huh. and, he, and he about, he went off the rails and I'm right outside of my first sergeant's office. And I was like, yes, yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. You know, whatever. And I'm putting, I'm starting to put the box down and my first sergeant comes running out. Don't you dare put that fucking box down. So like, Roger Sergeant, you know, like, yeah. I don't know what to do now. And then he ripped that, he ripped that CO up one end and down the other, sent that motherfucker around off like a puppy with its tail between his legs. And, and he ended the whole thing by saying, don't you ever tell one of my soldiers what to do. Right. <laughs> I was like, damn. All right. I know who's wearing the pants around here. And so, oh yeah. First Sergeant <laughs> always fucking wears the pants. <laughs> It, I mean, the, the, the CO might make the call. First sergeant is daddy. First sergeant gets to say what goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was... The, he only, was... Time I, the only time I've seen that otherwise is uh, a West Point grad. West Point grads usually... Um, and those dudes go through so, so much shit to get through West Point. Like, those guys can usually manage to... Um, Get away with about anything, huh? Actually, yeah, like actually figure out how to command a company. But if not, like if they're just some college grad that went to ROTC, like they don't fucking know anything about leadership. They first sergeant just calls the shots and they get to like say, Yeah, yeah, that was my idea. Yeah. Yeah, take all the credit for it. Right. So you got anything else you want to cover? No, I mean I we could talk all day, but like I think we hit a bunch of the points. We did I, hit. A, we did hit a lot. And yeah. We ended just bullshitting about military. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe I, we we'll may have another... heard, We may have heard enough brains today. Right. <laughs> I was gonna say maybe we can uh, have another episode about just bullshitting about stupid stuff we did in the military. But uh, most of the most of the stupid stuff I did in the military is the reason that I was out of the military in less than a, in, a, in just over a year. Oh, okay. Well, this does sound like some good stories. I got, so. I, I, I did. It was honorable. Well, was. okay. I was going to say, maybe, maybe we'll save that for the Slack channel. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> All right, man. Well, you got anything to plug? You writing anymore? Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking about starting a blog just because like half the stuff I write, I don't even know who the fuck wants to publish it, but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I write, so I, I, I know on our Slack channel, we talked about, so, uh, the, the Bortac before all this Portland stuff, uh, Bortac had gotten tapped to go assist ice in, um, in rooting out, you know, sanctuary cities. And I was, you know, I, I talked to you and, and some of the other guys about writing a, an op-ed about that. And I right. actually, I wrote it, but then the fucking pandemic hit and I became Mr. Teacher slash Carpenter when my kids got sent home from school. But so I never, you know, I never ended up actually publishing that. And that was like the last thing I really tried to write and get published, but so I'm always writing something, but it's like I'm my own worst critic, and uh, it just depends on if I think it's good enough if I actually send it to anybody to try to get get published. But um, no, I mean, if I if 
if I do end up starting the blog, I'll let you know. But other than that, I'm just kind of uh, just kind of freewheeling it. Yeah, it's working. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, what we're all doing is trying to keep our head right. in the water. Right. Yeah. I mean, my kids started back to school this week, so we're like right now. I'm just trying to keep up with Mr. all the Mom. new shit. Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. But I feel you. I understand, man. But I appreciate you having me on, man. This was fun. Well, thank you, man. I'm, I'm glad we got to spend some time together. This was this was a good time. So for sure. So we'll we'll definitely do it again here in a few weeks. Maybe things will settle down. You know, who knows? Maybe they'll open the schools back up there near you. And yeah. Say, yeah. All right. <laughs> send the send the little critters over here. Yeah. Yeah, that'll that'll free up some time for me for sure. There you go. All right, man. Well, we'll keep in touch. All right, Tommy. Take care. All right, brother. We'll talk to you. All right. Thanks. Bye. Well, that was Josh Childress. I'm Tommy Salmons. Late.